I would say if the authorities didn't want us involved in the public square, they ought not to have crucified Jesus in the public square. Use humanistic principles. Well, I would say the Dan, same idea. Yeah, I would say same that. End. I would say, what's the problem with stardust bumping into stardust? In the in the cosmic picture, no, there's no problem. In the okay. cosmic picture, it won't matter. No, Mr. President, you are not protecting reproductive freedom. You are authorizing the destruction of freedom for one million little human beings every year. I'm sorry, my friends, but I am tired of seeing Jesus presented as a weak beggar. He is a powerful savior, and the gospel is not a suggestion, it is a command. Reverend Mola, don't you sympathize with that? I sympathize with every single human heart wishing to know the one true and living God, but I believe there's only one way that that can happen through Jesus Christ, and the gospel is about repenting of sin, not celebrating it. of an amazing adventure. We will explore the spiritual abyss. You have not experienced this before. You're gonna love it. Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands wait for his law. I love that verse. I love it, love it, love it. Amen. Hey, guys, what's up? I'm Jeff. Jeff Durbin, they call me the ninja. This is the gospel heard around the world. You're listening to Apologia Radio. That's Luke the Bear. What up? That's Joy the Girl. Hello. Yeah. Let's just hang here for a minute. You like that? I do like that. That's my Soothing. royal. That's my royalty-free, chill, jazzy, lo-fi, hip-hop, jazz. That is a lot of combinations of music. That's right. That's right. You have to do that, <laughs> otherwise you get struck down. Uh, actually, uh, very difficult time for. Uh, those of us who are in ministry and using these platforms right now, you should know that it's becoming harder and harder and harder for us to actually get this content to you uh, because all the platforms, the major platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, all those platforms are actually working collectively to shut yeah. down Christian voices and conservative voices. So we every, say, six months or so, uh, we'll have our content seen by a lot of people and the word is getting out. Uh, gospel coming into conflict with all kinds of areas of life. And then all of a sudden our videos we see, we can't get anyone to see them. And that's because something else switches, new algorithm, something where they're basically looking for words mm -hmm. that conservatives and Christians use. Yeah. And they're shutting down those videos, making sure ultimately it doesn't get seen far and wide. So with that, be in prayer for that. And... Um, that's also an invitation for you guys to help us uh, to get the word out about all of these important gospel-related issues, which is everything, uh, by clicking all the buttons, all the likes and shares and all those things. Well, let's work together to make it happen, guys. So uh, if you're wondering why my, why my voice sounds the way that it does, uh, it's because I've, uh, I'm, I'm teaching uh, martial arts to my my family and uh, to Zach actually Zach Pastor Zach has that, been yeah. coming over so I've been screaming a lot at our other fellow pastor. Oh, you're also older now. Yeah, animal and I'm yes, I'm a little older today. I'm yeah. only 32, so happy birthday to me. No, I agree with that. Yeah, for, <laughs> 41 years old. Praise Sounds God. Sounds right to me. <laughs> I made 41 years on this planet, which is excellent. Yeah, it's actually quite. Congratulations. A feat. And you're still teaching karate. And so. I'm still teaching karate. Just now so. you don't have a voice. That's right. That's what happens. Yeah. When That's you get what old. happens when I get old. I'll get it back. I was used to I was used to screaming every day like that. Now I'll get it back. So hey, important show for everyone today. Actually, a very important show today. We are doing uh, a discussion about the sovereignty of God. Uh, the Word of God. We're going to talk about history a bit, and we're going to talk about state sovereignty, and we're going to do it with one of our favorite people uh, in this area. His name is Dan Fisher. 
He's the former candidate for governor in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, y'all. We were just in Oklahoma, and lots of very important things happening in Oklahoma right now. Yep. If you don't know, after this episode, go check out this channel right here, Apologia Studios, and just look through our past videos, and you'll see some important things that we need you to join with us in right now in Oklahoma. You have um, Senator Joseph Silk. Uh, he's presented SB 13. It's a bill that would criminalize and abolish completely abortion in the state of Oklahoma. And it's being stopped by, you would say, the pro-choice movement. And we would say to that, well, they're trying. Uh, but it's actually being halted and stalled by the pro-lifers yeah. in uh, Oklahoma. And uh, Dan Fisher knows a lot about that. Uh, this was a main area of focus for him in his campaign was to end and to abolish abortion in the state of Oklahoma. So please partner with us in this ministry, partner with Dan Fisher and all the believers there that are working hard to bring justice for these fatherless children in Oklahoma. Uh, make sure you guys partner with us. Get in on this. Uh, Joseph Silk needs your prayers and the movement there. Russell Hunter, all those guys that are involved there, they need our participation and our support. So uh, why don't you, uh, Pastor Luke, why don't you introduce yeah. Dan a bit for well, us? Be before we do that, I want to say in regards to, um, well, that was a jolt. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> we, we posted this picture the other day of Tony Lounger, our buddy, yeah. Tony Lounger, sitting with the... Uh, pro-choice Planned Parenthood supporters against SB 13. That's right. Which was completely mind-blowing. Can you just let everyone know Tony Lowinger is the... Uh, Vice President of the National Right to Life. Check that out. Vice President for National Right to Life sitting next to Planned Parenthood supporters. You might say, well, there's probably no limited seating. Well, okay, I'll grant that. But he's sitting next to Planned Parenthood supporters in opposition yeah. like them to SB 13, the bill that would end and criminalize and abolish, completely do away with abortion in the state of Oklahoma, and that shows you the state of the pro-life movement. It is not Christian. Um, it is not standing on biblical principles, and we need to recognize that as the church of the living God, and we need to uh, firm up our commitments to the gospel itself. Pastor Luke, sorry. No, right that's fine. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I got to spend time with uh, Dan back in December and for a, a day or two, and uh, got to hear his take on state sovereignty, which we're going to talk about today, and it was phenomenal. So I've been trying to get him on ever since, and you just spent time with him in Oklahoma, what, yeah. two weeks ago? Yeah, I think. two weeks ago. We were, we so, were, yeah. so, yeah, so uh, Dan's a pastor as well, and like Jeff said, ran for governor this last year in Oklahoma. And so, Dan, why don't you tell us what you're up to now and maybe fill us in on an update of what's going on with SB 13. Welcome, Dan. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I've been looking forward to being with you. So the work that you guys do is incredible. So it's just a, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you, brother. Well, you know, my thing is, um, you guys know some of my story. I, I, I came to Christ at a very early age and felt called to preach at the age of 10 and preach my first sermon when I was 16. Wow. So I've been preaching ever since. I'm 59 now. So that's what, 43 years. And I've been full time in the ministry since I was 22. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So a whole lifetime. In the midst of all of that, I've also been politically engaged and served a couple of terms in the Oklahoma legislature while I was pastoring a church of around a thousand folks. So it's a good sized church and uh, spending lots of plates. And then when I um, willingly walked away, I, I was I was going to run for my third term unopposed. And I tell people even I could win that race. Um, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I decided that I was just ramming my head against a brick wall that I would surely I could do more good uh, in, in just pastoring and doing my black regiment presentation that we may get into a little bit later and, yes. and just uh, being an activist. And so, so that's what I've been doing. Now, while I was in the legislature, I, I did have, uh, I, I don't know, kind of an epiphany of sorts. Uh, maybe you guys um, can relate to this. I've been a pro-lifer all of my life. I was involved in the pro-life movement way back in the early 80s when Jerry Falwell and the Moral Majority were just getting going. Mm. And, you know, in those days, we all either um, innocently, ignorantly, uh, sincerely believed that what the pro-life movement was going to be about was just bringing an end to abortion. And, and I don't know what happened. I don't know if the movement was hijacked. Mm. I, I don't know what happened, but somewhere along the way, it became more about just regulating an evil practice mm. and was somehow co-opted by people like the Tony Lowingers of, of the world. Right. 
And so, so I am now calling for the uh, immediate, complete end of abortion, no regulations. And um, so, so that's, that's what I'm doing, not only through my church here in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is just north of Oklahoma City, but as you guys know, when you were here last, or two weeks ago, uh, we did a rally uh, trying to gin up support for SB 13. And so I'm doing everything that I can do to help get Christians, because unfortunately, the pastors are the bottleneck. Mm. Uh, the pulpit is the bottleneck in the church, in my opinion. Mm. And the pastors don't address these issues, and they won't lead their people to get engaged. So we're trying to kind of bypass the pastors and go directly to the people, because I, I'm finding that if you get to the, the rank-and-file Christian in the pew, they still think that pro-life, the pro-life movement is about ending abortion. They don't realize that it's all about fighting efforts to end yeah, <laughs> to end abortion, yeah. as you've been talking about. Yeah, so yes. that's what I'm doing. Uh, I'm still traveling around, doing all kinds of um, uh, presentations. And of course, we do the the bringing back the black robe regiment thing, which I'm about to travel to Wisconsin next week ah. and and do. And then I, I think I'm going to end it up by speaking in Matt Truala's church yeah. okay. uh, that Sunday morning. So to kind of give you an idea of of what I'm doing. Good. So that would actually help us um, if if we can. Are you still there, Dan? Oh yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. That actually help us if we have this this audience watching right now, and as if people watch this later, um, this is an interesting perspective in terms of what people are were accustomed to now. I mean, for example, and and don't freak out about this, guys who are watching live uh, right now. We're in Arizona. We have constitutional carry, and uh, you should know that uh, oh. Pastor Luke and I are always carrying. There's that that, that trigger discipline right there. So uh, this <laughs> this I'm carrying on with me right now. This this gun for self defense for protection. Um, and uh, we have that right in the United States of America, and I can walk around in Arizona with constitutional carry. It's on my side, and people do all the time in Arizona. You can also carry it concealed in Arizona without a permit. Um, uh, we have the Second Amendment, and we thank God for those rights. Many of us do thank God for those rights, biblically-based rights. Um, yeah, and right. there's a historical pedigree back to that right, and there's a context— yes in which we got these rights and it wasn't atheistic it was the christian worldview that was in the atmosphere it was people appealing to the law of god and to biblical standards of righteousness and justice in the world but um dan mentioned something and i want you all to hear about and i want dan to explain it to us he mentioned the black robe regiment and mm -hmm. uh that's something that we know about and we want you to know about <laughs> and you ought to know about it because it's how you got the place that you're staying today and the rights that are hanging on by a thread now uh those good rights in america those biblically based rights were given to us by these very courageous men who wore That's these right. black robes so uh brother dan can you tell us about the black robe regiment oh i'd, I'd be happy to you know the, there were pastors really from much earlier than when the black robe shows up in the mid 1700s even before that who understood the proper order of sovereignty and, and they understood that god is sovereign over men mm -hmm. and over governments and over everything else, and that our rights ultimately come from God. And so they're inherent in the people, and then the people can choose to form governments to help protect those rights. Uh, today, we kind of have it upside down, and we see, or many people believe, that the government grants us certain rights and certain liberties. But our founders saw it the exact opposite way, and then the framers come along in the mid-1700s, and they began to codify this. And so you have these pastors who understand that rights come from God and that anything short of honoring God will lead to disaster, culturally, socially, you name it. So these guys were preaching these principles, not necessarily uh, being political, because they didn't see things as secular and sacred. They saw everything to the Christian as sacred. Right. I mean, everything comes from God. He's the source of all good things. And they believe that government was God's idea, that our rights come from him. So they're preaching these things from their pulpits while Great Britain is kind of tightening its stranglehold, uh, stranglehold uh, around the throats of the colonies. And they keep uh, petitioning the king and parliament. And as you know, uh, history shows us that they just kept turning up the heat instead until finally, of course, uh, the colonies believe that they only had one recourse. And that was declared their independence to protect their rights and, and liberties. And, and for many of them, it was the gospel. And so these preachers 
were preaching things that today would be considered completely radical and, quote, uh, you know, violating the, the principle of separation of church and state, even though they would laugh at something like that today and scratch their heads and right. say, what in the world is that? Right. But of course, we've been fed the myth and the lie yep. and the lie of bull. And so we all believe it's written somewhere in scripture or somewhere in the, the founding documents. And it isn't. So these guys freely mix these things because they believe that that good government was from God and all these principles, you name it, whether, Jeff, like you were talking about the right to defend oneself or uh, the right to, to uh, property or the right to free expression, they would preach about these things even before the Declaration of Independence had been penned. Mm. Well, once, once, of course, that happens in 1776, uh, you know, pretty much the line is drawn. They mostly believed that they were all signing their death warrants. When Ben Franklin says that we either hang together or we'll hang separately— we mm. laugh at that today. We think it's kind of a joke. He wasn't joking. Right. That they literally thought that they were going to be hunted down by the British and executed, if not imprisoned. And uh, so these preachers began to become very engaged and very active. And so they started leading the men of their congregations and their communities off to fight at particular battles. And some of these men became part of the regular army. Uh, guys like Peter Muhlenberg uh, became part of General Washington's staff and was promoted all the way up to Major General. Uh, all of these guys were putting, as the old saying goes, their money where their mouths were, mm. because, because they knew if they didn't defend liberty, the gospel would be driven underground. They knew that. And so I, in my book that I've written where I talk about these guys, I have quotes from some of their letters back home, and these pastors are telling their families that if this effort fails, no doubt we're going to be executed. Mm. I mean, they knew what was at cost here. They knew, or excuse me, what was at stake, and they were willing to pay the cost. So the British, knowing what was going on, that the preachers were the ones fanning the flames. I mean, for instance, to give an example of how they were fanning the flames, uh, John Witherspoon, who was the famous Presbyterian, but he was also the president of Princeton, but he was a part of the delegation that wrote the Declaration of Independence. Uh, everybody's getting weak need about actually voting to declare their independence, and he gets up and gives this impassioned speech, and the delegates all there say, okay, you're right, man. And so they vote to declare their independence, and then, you know, consequently, they sign the Declaration of Independence. So these guys were really leading out, and the British so hated them that they called them the Black Regiment. Mm -hmm. Now, today, I call them the Black Robed Regiment, so people will understand that we're not talking about some kind of racist deal. Right, we're, right. we're talking about guys that wore black robes, because all of the denominations, it didn't matter whether you were Baptist, right, Lutheran, right. Presbyterian, all the preachers wore black robes in those days. Yeah. So the, the the British called them the Black Regiment, referring to the black robes, and they considered them really kind of public enemy number one. And so, you know, I go around doing this presentation, kind of like a one-man Broadway production in costume, <laughs> and I become some of these characters, and, and I bring this history to light. And I think, Jeff, it was you who was saying that had it not been for these guys, I'm convinced there would have probably not been a war of independence and we wouldn't know the liberties that we know today. I mean, it's just that simple. Absolutely. I've even heard, uh, Dan, mm. I've heard that um, in, in England they were referring to, in some, in some, at some points they were referring to the war as the Presbyterian Revolt. Oh, yeah, the Presbyterian Rebellion. You, in right. fact, King George called it that. That's mm. right. That's right. Yeah. And, and isn't, yeah. That, isn't that amazing now, friends? Think about <laughs> it now. How, how did this country begin? Uh, it wasn't in any way a Christian nation, right? No, the Christian world was in the atmosphere. It was just understood. You had, well, I think it was like 9 out of 13 of the colonies had state churches. Mm. And, you know, that did cause some problems here and there. But the point is, and we're not saying there was a utopia or perfection, but it was the Christian worldview that developed all of these um, right. rights and, and this, these, these points of, of contact with justice in the world and righteousness. It was the Christian church specifically that fought for right, these exactly. rights. Well, and, it was. Yeah, and that's very different, Dan, than we have today. I mean, oftentimes, oh or, I mean, you, you've experienced this. Oftentimes as a pastor, when you approach these issues as a pastor today, you have resistance from other pastors yeah. who are saying, no, 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 we just need to preach the gospel and get people to heaven one day. You don't need to be concerned with all this little stuff down here. Yeah, and, and isn't that convenient for them now that our liberties have been won by generations that preceded us? 
that play paid the price in you know tears, sweat, and blood in their lives. Right. So it's it's really convenient in this modern era. Well, you know, we're just going to focus on the gospel, and and of course, what they do, and I, I would imagine you guys agree with this. The gospel to them is just limited to a person being born again and then dying and going to heaven. Right. But but the gospel has to do with sanctifying us while we're here and making Amen. us a, a reflection of heaven on earth. Yes. And and they're not teaching that to people. Nope. And so the, the folks are really, I mean, it, it's not an excuse, but but they're, they're uninformed. They do not know this history. In fact, you were talking about calling it the Presbyterian Rebellion. The son of the British prime minister, Horace Walpole, uh, told Parliament that America had eloped with a Presbyterian parson. That's I mean, right. that's, that's how strongly they believe this. And, and see, and the deal is when the recruiters for the Continental Army would come into a, a town or a village in the colonies, rather than try to recruit soldiers, they'd go get a black robe preacher because he was far more effective at recruiting soldiers mm. than the Army recruiters were. I love it. So, yeah, we, we just, we've lost this history, and it was the pulpit and, of course, uh, Alec de Tocqueville, later on, when he comes to try to figure out the genius of America, he says, I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't figure it out until I saw the pulpits aflame with with the fire of righteousness. And mm. then I understood. And, and, Jeff, you're right. I mean, we don't need to over-Christianize the colonies. Not everybody was born again. Not right. all of the framers were born again, Bible-thumping Christians. But they all had a general respect for the God of the Bible and even when Jefferson writes the Declaration, you know, he says everything is based upon the laws of nature and nature's God. Mm -hmm. He understood that there was a sovereignness to, to, to God, the creator, and that we better abide by his law from which we can derive laws to have a civil society. Yeah, I think we would be lost, Dan. I say this often. When I was in Oklahoma and, I, and uh, uh, Russell asked me to come out and, and preach, he asked me to preach on gospel and justice. One of the things that I, I tried to emphasize there is that we we've lost this perspective that Jesus was preaching, and it, you don't like I said it, at the at the talk. It's not, I'm not asking you to go very far in your studies here. Just read the first four chapters of Matthew, mm. and you'll see that yeah. when Jesus proclaims, he's proclaiming the gospel. He's proclaiming uh, the gospel of the kingdom, the yeah. the good news of the kingdom. Now we've lost that perspective of this is the Messiah's rule in the world. He has all authority in heaven and on earth here exactly. today and so it's it's a jolt oftentimes in our current generation to see pastors like yourself or myself or pastor luke saying um the things that we're saying even at the legislature i can remember dan recently we were going we've we've started we've tried to start a movement of believers going to their local legislature and demanding right. justice for the pre-born and calling right. them to repent and turn to faith in christ and dan i'll tell you what brother i saw uh, <laughs> a local pastor a local pastor he saw some of that that content coming out, and he was horrified underneath it. He was putting things like, "This is awful! Like, don't what? do this! Like, you shouldn't be doing this sort of a yeah. thing." For for Christian pastors to be going to their local magistrates and demanding that they actually obey God and that they repent of these injustices, modern pastors are saying things like, "That's not what this is about, boys. We right. just, we just need to get people saved." Well, it's completely ridiculous. In fact, some of the greatest resistance that we get is from so-called Christians and especially Christian leaders like pastors. See, they don't know, for instance, that when Paul Revere makes his famous midnight ride yelling, you know, the regulars are coming, the regulars are out. Yeah. He rides in Lexington directly to a pastor's house, a guy by the name of Jonas Clark who had Samuel Adams and John Hancock staying with him that night. Wow. And John Hancock's grandfather had pastored that church in Lexington years before. And and Revere is writing to Pastor Clark's house to see if the Minutemen that Clark has been helping to oversee and train are ready to take a stand against the British who are headed by land to Lexington and then to Concord. And that next morning when we have the great battle at Lexington, on Lexington Green, it actually happens in what we'd call the churchyard of Jonas Clark's church, and most of those Lexington Minutemen <laughs> were members of Clark's church. Right, right. That's insane. But we don't see, we don't know that stuff anymore. Right. That's right. And so these pastors have completely disconnected our responsibility to stand for justice mm. with 
preaching the gospel. Yeah. And so now people no longer make that connection. That's right. So it's so hard to get people, for instance, to come to the Capitol because they think, well, that's not spiritual. And they don't realize that's about as spiritual as you can get. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's a good story, too, because if you think about it, he he knew a fight was coming. And yeah. so he went sure. to the, he went to the place where he thought there was beer and life insurance. <laughs> oh that's great i uh that's hilarious you're welcome i um i just read an article last night actually i sent it to you i don't know if you saw it from our friend andrew sandlin yeah called uh make a i think it, i think it's called make christianity great again or something like that and uh but in regards to what we're talking about he says um he's talking specifically about these pastors and these and christians that have shied away from the culture he says this is the pious goop of spineless religion the appeasement reinforces the cultural irrelevance of christianity and has become the unintentional ally of secularists and pagans Mm. the spineless goo Mm. pious spineless goo so yeah that's exactly right and so now it's no wonder why you can't get the church angry it ought to be just natural but you can't get the church angry about the murder of the unborn because they figure that's not their job. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's right. They, 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 somebody else is supposed to be doing that. And had, had the 18th century church thought that way in the colonies, well, our history would read very differently. Yes, it would. You know? Yes, it would. Well, that Dan, that brings me to actually a good okay. point. So you, you were in Oklahoma, and you had a very pecu- peculiar platform in terms of you were approaching the entire legislature and the legislative process and everything you were doing there. Your message was distinctively Christian, um, yes. and you were not playing neutral in that. You were, no. you were approaching that as a Christian standing on the law word of God, and you were demanding justice, and you weren't wavering in terms of, you know, like, like actually standing on two different platforms, like, well, I'm a Christian over here in this life, right. but okay. in the legislature, I'm not going to be so Christian and uphold the same presuppositions. Mm-hmm. Now, can you talk to us about that? Because that's, I think, amazing, sure. and it needs to be done, and I pray for more, and I wish you had one, um, but yeah, I want well, to, I, I want to know I want to know about that whole issue of neutrality in the legislature. How come you approached it in that way? How come you were talking about abortion in the way that you were, without wavering and without the typical line of the pro life movement? Why? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it, it goes back, of course, to to all of my study and training in Scripture to begin with, and then the two terms when I did serve in the legislature. I just made up my mind, I'm going to be a witness for Christ here, and not like the generic witness for Christ that the typical so-called pro-life Christian legislator is. In fact, I was able to make a strong enough stand that many of the people call me the conscience of the House, because I was in the House of Representatives. Mm. So whenever I, I chose not to run for a third term, thinking that I could make a difference, a better difference somewhere else, and then was approached about running for governor. That was not on my bucket list. It was not something I wanted to do. Uh, in fact, my wife and I had to spend a lot of weeks praying and talking through that whole thing. But we decided that if we were going to do it, we were going to do it 100%. Mm. Everything that we believed based in Scripture. And so I'm convinced that abortion is our Nazi Holocaust of, of yeah. our era. Yes. Uh, yes. In fact, it's worse than Absolutely. the Nazi Holocaust. Yeah. Uh, you can't hardly even compare it to slavery in the 19th century, because even though slavery is terrible, abortion, the murder of the unborn, is worse. And the record of our killing is well over 60 million mm-hmm. now right. in, in 46 years. Yep. So... So I'm thinking, okay, well, that is the worst crime that we've committed. And then secondly, how are we going to end this? Well, we can only do it if some state or a group of states stand up and say, no, the federal government is outside of its authority. It was in 1973. It has been many other times, for example, Dred Scott decision. And it is time for a state that has the courage to do it to stand up and say no. No, we're no longer going to allow you to be the bully in the playground Mm -hmm. and everybody gives over their lunch money because you say so. 
Uh, we're tired of running from Scott Farkas, if you know who he is in the in the, in the movie yes. Christmas Story. Yeah, and and we're going to kind of become Ralphie here in a righteous kind of way, <laughs> and and that's that's what we did. And oh, that's great. Of course, this times are dark enough and bad enough right now, anyway, that it calls for for uncompromising uh, vision and commitment, and so so that's why we did it because we believe that if we continue on the course that we're on, not only will we continue to murder thousands and millions of, of preborn humans who bear God's image, but we're going to lose everything else too. The, in my opinion, uh, the only way short of God doing something that's just, you know, supernatural that none of us can explain or whatever. And if God wants to bring a great awakening, well, man, I'm the first in line for that. Yeah. But, but short of that, State sovereignty has got to be relearned and then be re-exerted by some of the states because Washington is not going to fix this stuff. I, I know the people who are there and they're not. So, so that's why we ran the race that we ran here in Oklahoma, because we believed if any state could or would, it's a state of a little less than four million who one third of those claim to be evangelical Christian. Yeah. Uh, so. But Dan, this will help us here because this gets us into, and I want, I want, of course, you guys, please jump in here after after this. But this is a good question, I think, that may help people who are listening right now that are saying, hey, guys, I think you're right. So, like, what does this look like? You And this will get us to the the issue of, like, the states um, interposing yeah. and resisting yes. the tyranny of, like, a higher court or a federal beast in some in some instance. So you mentioned Dred Scott. And this will give us a little bit of a historical background. So for those that don't know about Dred Scott, can you explain to, that to us, Dan, so we have a good historical perspective and then get us into the discussion of like the states actually do have the sovereignty to resist the tyranny of a higher court? Yeah, well, in 1857, the U.S. Supreme Court rules in their infinite wisdom that black people are not people. They're property. And so you can treat blacks like cattle. I mean, they're just they're just property. Right. And first of all, they didn't have the authority to do that, obviously, because the Declaration of Independence that precedes the U.S. Constitution, therefore, I believe, is our birth certificate and superior to the Constitution. The Constitution is just a way to govern according to the principles laid down in the birth certificate, which is the Declaration, which is why I focus more on the Declaration of Independence even than I do the Constitution declares all men created equal in the image of God, you know, given by our creator. Well, why would that all of a sudden exclude people with black skin? Mm -hmm. Well, obviously it wouldn't. So this was the, the blatant uh, wickedness of the Supreme Court, and it was the job of the people to say, whoa, 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 whoa wait just a minute here. Our form of government is representative, not monarchical. We don't have a monarch even if it's made up of a handful of judges mm -hmm. and a, as an oligarchy and government only governs at the consent of the people based upon the laws of nature and nature's God. And so it was the job of the people to rise up and say, no, you don't have that authority. Mm -hmm. In fact, the author of the constitution, James Madison said that when the federal government overreaches its authority given to it in what we would call the U S constitution, it's not only the right, it's the duty of the states to interpose and stop, and here's what he called it, the evil. Mm. Nice. So, yeah. So yes. when the federal government oversteps its authority, which it did long ago, yeah. we're way beyond that point now. It's our job that what they're doing is evil, and it's our job to stop it, which, by the way, then comes into line with Paul's definition and description of proper government for team. Yep. Yep. But the proper role of government is to do what is good, protect those who do good, and punish those who do evil. Yep. Now government's doing the exact opposite. It's persecuting those who do good, like you were talking about, platforms constantly being changed, even though it's, quote, not directly the government doing it. They're trying to prevent you from teaching the truth, mm -hmm. but then they'll do everything they can to promote any kind of perversion, and anybody who's willing to spew it, they'll, they'll give them a wide you know, tall platform for that. So our government now is doing the exact opposite of what Paul said it's supposed to do in Romans 13. Therefore, according to the preachers of the War of Independence in the 18th century, we have no obligation to submit, but to actually oppose them 
because they're doing the opposite of what the Bible says government's supposed to do. So uh, thank you. That's great. So great. So everyone listen and rewind this and do that again. Um, this will help us. Let, we have a we have a particular moment right in front of us right now with SB 13 yes. happening in Oklahoma. Exactly. Everybody, please, please, please pray for support. Senator Joseph Silk in Oklahoma. Yes. Get behind Free the States. Um, connect with Russell Hunter, Dan Fisher, all these guys that are there on the ground out there and working hard to bring justice in Oklahoma. Um, so we have this instance now, uh, Dan, of SB 13, and we have the resistance from the pro-life community against it. Um, can you give me, just give me a few minutes here in terms of people saying things like, well, you know, if, uh, if we, if we, have we pass SB 13, I told him to bring it. Uh, if we, oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, if we, if we pass, S- if, we, if we pass SB 13, sorry, we have food being Everyone delivered here right now. Yeah. No, no, that's Pardon. not fair. I have nothing here. I know. Yes. So yeah, I, I didn't want to <laughs> waste all this. I can't see you, so we're okay. It's all, see, the thing is, the problem is, is this, is we have smoothies and I knew that if we just sit them out there, they're going to turn to liquid. Oh, so I got you. I, I said, get after it's, <laughs> it's worth doing now. Okay. So SB 13, yes. people are arguing, Dan, that SB 13 if it passes, it's going to do away with all the pro-life legislation that we have in place now. And of course, we say to that, praise God for that. Um, exactly. And uh, it needs to go away because it will keep abortion legal if Roe v. Wade falls, uh, whatever yeah. that means. Yeah. Um, but uh, people say, well, you know, if SB 13 passes, then it's just going to be struck down later and all the rest. Dan, give us the blitz. How do we refute that nonsense? Well, let, let's begin with the, the second one that you mentioned, and that is that if we pass SB 13 or any other law by any other name that, that ends abortion and calls it what it is, murder. And by the way, I know you guys say this all the time, but but I want to go on record as saying, I think the reason we have not dealt with abortion for 46 years is because we've refused to call it what it is. Absolutely. We've called it everything but murder. Right. And and I notice that when I say that to people, they will immediately recoil but then when you give them just a second, they say, you know, you're right. It is murder. Right. So whatever law, as long as it repeals it and stops it and stops the murdering, well, it's the same kind of thing. So they'll say, well, if you do this, uh, you know, the courts are just going to throw it uh, out. More than likely, that's probably true given the present state of our courts. But that's kind of like a football team saying, you know, we don't think we can beat this team. So we're just not going to show up for the game. Right. Then they're amazed that they lost. Right. I mean, you lose every fight. Uh, you lose every battle. You don't fight. Absolutely. And so this is and if there's if there's anything in life that would be worth fighting for, this would have to be one of them. <laughs> so the first argument that I tell people is it might be thrown out in the courts. But if we won't fight to save arguably the most innocent humans among us who are not aware of their sinful state yet, then will we fight for anything? I mean, is there anything that we will fight for? So so that, that's my first response. And then the idea, well, it, it, this bill would repeal all of the pro-life legislation. Well, first of all, SB 13 in the Oklahoma context has what is called an inseverability clause. And what that means is if SB 13 becomes law, then yes, all of the pro-life regulations mm-hmm. would go away because it would supersede them because it makes abortion murder, so it would stop, and you don't need a 72-hour wait period. You don't need to see an mm-hmm. ultrasound because we're not going to be doing this at all. Right. If SB 13 were to be thrown out by the courts and we couldn't fight that fight and win it, well, then all of the other laws that are on the books would remain because SB 13 would no longer be in force. Exactly, exactly. But here's the thing. You either have a pro-life state that regulates abortion or you have a abortion-free state that protects life. But you can't have both. You can't have regulations that say, look, wait 72 hours, then you can murder your baby. Look at an ultrasound, then you can murder your baby. And at the same time say, you can never murder your baby. I mean, you can't have all those laws on the books. Right. So what they're doing is a straw man is all it is. They're just trying to confuse people into thinking that what Joseph's plan really was. Now, get this. I mean, I know Joseph. He's a good friend, Joseph Silk. What his plan really was is to repeal all of the pro-life legislation knowing his bill would fail. Well, first of all, that's insane. Right. I mean, Joseph Silk is is a, a, you know, a, a great Christian brother who is is given his life to abolishing uh, the murder of the unborn. Why in the world would he want to do that? 
I mean, it, you know, it's just nuts. But, you know, there, there's no lie so ridiculous that if you repeat it often enough, yeah. people won't believe it. So, right. you know. Well, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about this because Jeff and I were actually just talking about this yesterday because we've seen, you know, this this is essentially the argument that even the General Baptist Conference there, the letter oh. that they wrote, you know, that's yeah. the same argument that, that they have that they've adopted from Tony Lounger and the pro-life movement sure. that you know this this notion that you know if the if the law was uh struck down by the courts then abortion would be legal after that and we're like i'm reading that and i'm going that no. doesn't even compute that doesn't even make no. sense so i'm glad you, we were able to talk about this and clarify that that's yeah but that again that's just the nonsense that's being promoted by national right to life and in, in groups like that oh it's it's unbelievable and and luke here's the amazing thing on monday we had another rally at the Capitol this time to blast the Baptist General Convention yeah. of Oklahoma. And there were seven or eight of us that that spoke. Uh, I used to be a Southern Baptist pastor, and now I'm, I'm co-pastor at an independent Baptist church. And then there were like six or seven actual active, presently Southern Baptist preachers mm -hmm. who spoke out against the leadership of the Baptist General Convention of Oklahoma. So we're we're trying to shame them. Uh, into recognizing the error of their way, because I'm telling you, you're exactly right. You know, Tony Lauinger is not only uh, a member of the, the National Right to Life Committee, but he's the head of Oklahomans for Life. Mm. And he fights. Now, many times he won't do it publicly because, you know, he tries to keep this face. Yeah. But he fights any legislation that would either attempt to end abortion or that he doesn't personally sponsor. He'll fight mm. that legislation. So we, I called him out in my speech by name, and Good. Um, Good. so you, you would have been, you would have enjoyed that rally because it was, yeah, it was exactly to the man. I mean, imagine that in, in a state that's a pretty conservative state where the largest evangelical denomination is Southern Baptist, mm -hmm. and the leaders of that uh, convention have come out against a yeah. bill that would end abortion. It's Insane. heartbreaking, Dan. It, it, it's, it, it, it's so senseless. It, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It melts your heart, but it doesn't even it doesn't even compute. No, no, no. It does not. It doesn't does make not. any yeah. sense at all. And it, well, I think I think the problem, and, and and Dan, I think this is what God is doing in all this is he's he's waking up the church. Yeah. He's bringing us back to consistent biblical presuppositions, and that is creating wreckage in a lot of yes. these organizations and groups that don't hold to these biblical presuppositions consistently. And yes, all these moments, they hurt, they're terrible, they're uncomfortable, yeah. these are difficult trials, there's conflict, there's shaming that happens. All I, I get it all. I, of course it hurts, and it's bothered us. Mm. But the, the, here's the thing. When God is bringing transformation via his truth, it's going to expose inconsistencies and weaknesses and errors in yeah. each of us, in all of yeah. us. And so this movement that's happening, guys like Dan, guys like Joseph Silk, all, all the people that are here now working towards the end, the actual criminalization end of abortion, as we're moving forward, we're going to see inconsistencies start pouring out of our brothers and sisters in Christ who have been in this movement for that's a very, right. very long time. And here's the thing, that should not cause any of us to recoil and say, well, maybe we should stop. No, no. we have to be consistent and yep. to allow these inconsistencies to be exposed yeah. And even allow, listen, our greatest heroes uh, to be seen as inconsistent and for us to call them with love and grace, but firmness right. to turn away from that inconsistency yeah. for the sake of God's glory, for the gospel, Amen. and for these children. Amen. That's what it's about. Amen. So, Well, and I know you guys have probably said this many times, but if, if we will not protect the unborn and would actually murder them now outside the mother's womb, because yeah. the Democrat Party yep. mm -hmm. the, the other night in Washington, as I know you know, voted not to protect babies who are born from a botched abortion. Right. Right. And they're they're there, fully alive outside the mother, and we're not even going to protect them. Mm. What that is, for me, is a marker that anything else goes. That That is what has opened the door to every kind of immoral, abominable perversion I mean, it's kind of like that was the invitation that we sent out to the powers of darkness. Come in, guys. We're open for business. Mm. You know, bring your wares. And so it, sh it shouldn't surprise us since the, the late 60s or mid to late 60s. And then with our, Roe v. Wade in 73, that 
America has made a an obvious left turn downward. I think it was the the opening of the door for all of the other ills yeah. that we now see. And so that's why I, if I had been elected governor, I, I was going to, in, in righteousness and in love, like you said, Jeff, it's very important that we do that, but I was going to defy the federal government. I, yeah. I might have been the first governor put in prison for saying no to the federal government. I would have come. I was going to do it. I would have come and brought you snacks. <laughs> well, thank you. Make smooth. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was what I was going to ask is just, I know there was a clause in SB 13 uh, that's, that says, you know, <clears throat> if, if this bill passes, we know the feds are going to come with their fake, fake laws over there. And they're going to try to make us do something that we don't feel uh, is morally right. So there's a clause that says we can defy the the feds when they come. So um, can you talk about that? And, and it, I mean, it just ties sure. in perfectly with state sovereignty. Yeah. Well, here, here's the thing that's very important that we understand. We are not promoting anarchy. Mm-mm. Right. What we're actually promoting is the rule of law. Right. Because when you go back to our founding documents and the kind of government that we have, well, to use Madison's words, the powers that were delegated, and it's very important that we note that the powers were not surrendered. They were simply delegated. That'd be like the, the parable of the talents that the, the employer did not give those talents away. He delegated them to those three men. Okay. It wasn't theirs, but they were to do with it what they should have done. Okay. So we delegated powers to the federal government. We meaning who? The people. Government operates at the consent of the governed here. And he said that those powers delegated were few and defined. And the powers that would remain with the states were numerous and indefinite. Mm. And then he even spelled out in Federalist 45 the categories. He said that the, the powers delegated to the federal government basically have to do with foreign entanglements, those kinds of things. But the powers reserved to the states would, would touch all of the ordinary affairs of life, including life and property. Well, so that's the law. That's actually the law. So when the right. federal government now has stepped into the area reserved to the states, mm-hmm. they're now illegal. Yep. So what we're calling for is not anarchy where, well, I'll just stand against the federal government. No, we're calling for a return to law and order by the states doing what they were originally designed to do by the people. Remember, it was the states that created the federal government, not the other way around. Exactly. Woo! Yes. So, so we're not calling for anarchy. And I don't want anybody to get the idea that we're just rebels with, without a cause here and we're just trying to you know, stir up trouble. Right. Actually, I was going to defy the federal government as a duly elected governor of a state within my designated authority. I would have the authority to do that because Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional Absolutely. any way you look at it. Yeah. So that's what we would have been doing. So I, I want to make sure that folks know that what I'm calling for is a return to law and order because what we have right now is is almost anarchy, but certainly an oligarchy because basically what we're we're ruled by five justices, yep. even though there's nine on the Supreme Court, it only takes five. Uh-huh. And so what we have now is basically what we fought a war to get rid of mm-hmm. in, in 1776. We, we kind of have the same thing again. So I don't know if that answered the question. Very but, much so. But Absolutely. that's yes. what I was going to do. Yeah. Man, I am so glad you brought that up. Good, yeah. good point. That was great. Joy, uh, anything you want to add? I mean, I'm just kind of taking a lot of this information in. Um, <laughs> yeah. All super interesting. I, like Jeff said, listen to this multiple times if you yeah. need to. No, it's important. I'm, I'm so glad we had Dan on, and, and I'm so glad it's, this is on record. We're going to make sure this gets out to the world so you can all everyone will see it. My, my great encouragement to you is just to say, make sure you help us. You can be a part of this movement, guys. Help us by spreading this content. Get the word out. Connect with Dan. Uh, we're going to find out how you guys can do that in just a moment here, and make sure you guys offer support in that way. Find out ways to get this content out because, listen, let, let's take just for an example, uh, not that we're anything overly special, but just as an example, it was a single Christian lady who was saving babies in an abortion mill that was on our radio program talking about all the babies they had saved. 
that led us right. ultimately to end abortion now and all that God's doing with all the thousands of lives saved, all the, the over 300 churches that are now out actively fighting against abortion with the gospel at the abortion mills and now going to the legislature. All that happened because of a little Christian woman going out and saving lives in an abortion mill. That's where it started. Well, and so, I mean, ultimately, I think that's very important with, with, with what we've discussed in this episode in regards to ignorance of history. Right. You see, even just in the Bible, mm. a great place to go, um, how cultures were changed, nations were yep. changed when people walked into them and started proclaiming the gospel. Yes. So there is not just an ignorance of history, but there's an ignorance of the power of the transformation yes. that God does in us when we Amen. say yeah. that people who are saved won't affect their culture. There right. will be no difference. When <laughs> put three million people in a city that are all free from their sin, and you're telling me that there won't right. be a Nothing's difference in that place? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, if, you know, if you have salt, then that retards decay and light reduces darkness. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're supposed to mm, be doing. Uh, you guys might be interested last Sunday because of all of the events that are going on. Uh, I preached a sermon. I'm, I'm in a series about spiritual warfare, which is obviously very timely for where we are here yeah. in Oklahoma. And, and I preached a message about why states have the right to stand up and call for the end of abortion and defy an out-of-control federal government. And I also dealt with Romans 13 and a proper understanding, because Romans 13 has been used by many preachers to silence their congregations, Absolutely. where they just tell them, the Bible says you're supposed to obey, knuckle under and shut up. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, these black robe guys, I have excerpts of their sermons from my book, where they deal with that very subject, mm. probably the best one is Samuel West out of Massachusetts in 1776. And, and he says that the minute the government steps outside of its authority, it is no longer due our submission, and we have the responsibility to stand against it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, folks might, later on when we give the contact information, they might want to go and listen yeah. uh, to that, because I, I deal specifically with that. So I want to do that right now, but before I do, I want to encourage you all in light of all of that, in terms of how God uses single people and the proclamation of the truth to bring transformation, great transformation, I just wanted to give us as an example in terms of what God's been doing through uh, End Abortion Now, that banner over this this movement, all of our help we're trying to give mm-hmm. to churches and all of we're trying to do to get churches encouraged to go out and start engaging this issue now with the gospel and the word of God. All that happened, ultimately, if you move the story back for us, because of a little little lady who goes out to the abortion mills and was saving babies at the abortion mill, preaching the gospel. That brought us under conviction, and we started actively doing it. Of course, there was then more steps along the way. But that's where it all started. It was a single person who moved us through God and His Word and the encouragement we got there. And so I wouldn't underestimate yourself. Um, and so when you think about a, a talk like this, what Dan just gave us is essential information. You mm-hmm. need to understand this. If there's going to be transformation, it has to have a solid route. It has to have a solid platform from which to now move. And what Dan just gave us is a proper biblical and historical understanding of where we're at and how we ought to be actually fighting this battle. And let me just say, I hope it's clear to you now that it isn't the methodology of the pro-life movement. It is not. It has to be Christian, fundamentally Christian, and it has to be based in law. And uh, that's what's very, very important. So, uh, Dan, I want everyone to get to know you and get your books, and I want to, to listen to you. So where can everyone where can everyone go to get connected to you? Yeah, the, the best way to do it is just to go to my uh, my website, which is just Dan Fisher, and then the three letters B-R-R. It stands for blackroberegiment.com. Mm. But they could also go to our church website, which, we, which is fairviewbaptistedmond.org. And they could dial on there and listen to last week's sermon, for instance, if they have an interest in that or any of the other messages that, that you know, we have. Uh, but it's just danfisherbrr.com. That's the best way to get the book. By the way, that book, I spent two years writing it. There's over 100 sources in the bibliography. There's over 600 footnotes. Wow. I mean, wow. It, is, it is documented totally. In fact, if there were stories that we thought were true, but we couldn't get enough documentation, we left out, even though we wanted them in the book. Wow. So, yeah. And then we have a, a docudrama that we hired a movie company to make where we tell the story. That's the best way to get that. And then for the messages, uh, fairviewbaptistedmond.org. Awesome. They, that's the easiest way to get us. Fantastic. Dan, can you help us? We have about five minutes left here. Can you help us and let us know 
from your perspective right now, what's the most important thing for us to be doing across the country right now to support you and the guys that are on the ground out there and SB 13 in Oklahoma? What's the best way we can be a help to you? Well, if you're outside of Oklahoma, I think probably the first thing to do is just pray that God would enlighten the eyes of otherwise good Christian men and women. We, We have some good folks in our legislature, but for some reason they have been blinded maybe by people like the Oklahomans for Life and pastors that won't speak out. So we need God to just enlighten the minds and hearts of men and women that right here in Oklahoma, because obviously we've got to fight this fight first and foremost. I think the second thing that they could do is if we're going to have a rally or some event that's directly a part of this, if they hear about it and they could come and be a part of it. You know, you guys were here a couple of weeks ago. You and many of your people and others were so supportive of us when I was running for governor. I, I just can't overstate how important it is that we 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 rally to the cause wherever it is. If I could just give one little anecdotal story. When the Battle of Lexington occurred the morning of April 19th, 1775, by the time the British got on over to Concord later that day, the word had gotten out. And all of the Minutemen groups, many of them led by preachers, had now limed the road leading back to Boston. And so when the British were thumped at the Old North Bridge and started their retreat 17 miles back to Boston, they encountered Minuteman group after Minuteman group that ran, that fought a running battle for 17 miles. Today they've preserved part of the road. It's called uh-huh. Battle Road. And it's because they rallied to the cause, even though they weren't from Lexington or Concord. Wow. And so I think... Now is one of those moments. And of course, our responsibility is to rally to you guys. If there's something going on in Arizona or, you know, Wisconsin or or wherever it is. Mm -hmm. So I think those would be the two ways in which they could be the greatest help to us. Mm. Excellent. 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 So good. We love you, brother. We're thankful for you. And uh, we look forward to having you on again sometime. Yeah, I'd be my honor. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And guys, I just I've enjoyed it today. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. All right, guys, get connected with Dan Fisher and go buy his book. Yeah. Go buy his book and buy one for a friend, guys. Seriously, get the word out. This is very, very important, vitally important information to have. Thank you, Dan. God bless you, brother. We look forward again to having you on. Thank you. God bless you as well, guys. God bless you. Thank you. Woo! Love that, right? Good stuff. I love, I love, I love Dan Fisher. So, seriously, guys, go check it out. Uh, It'll bless you. We need transformation in our thinking in this area. We have to... um, be willing to really engage this at a deeper, more biblical level than we have. And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's a good place to start. Share this content. Share the episode with people you love. Let the world know. Uh, especially in light of the fact, when you're watching this right now, you're like, hey, this really blessed me. Um, just know that um, these platforms are working against Christians, conservative yep. voices, you need to know that. They are legitimately, it's proven. This isn't con- conspiracy theory and just, mm-hmm. you know, it's some crazy controversy. It's a fact. Well, like but- to be specific, there are certain tags that you can tag to get your video to show up in an algorithm that if yeah. you tag something like the word abortion, mm-hmm. that video is not going not, anywhere. Yeah, if you say pro- So it's not yeah. just made up. We're not yeah. just like... yeah. You know, yeah, and they're getting they're getting more. Cre- you try to get more creative with your tagging, and they get more creative with what they'll block. That's so. right. Yeah, you put pro life, uh, march for life, forty days for life. You know all the typical pro life things in your tag, so that it gets into those feeds, so people will see you. Uh, it's getting demonetized, and it's just going to be at a standstill. The only people who are going to see it are the people that are coming to your channel and sort of rifling through your videos. I mean, that's that's ultimately what will happen. So, um, yeah. And uh, apparently Meat Fest Car- as yeah, well. Yeah, Carmen, you want to kill the feed on the other end there. Um, apparently all right. Meat Fest gets blocked as well. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so speaking of, we have a minute or so left here. Uh, I want to tell you guys, everyone who's listening right now, check this out. We have... Um, we have a thing we do every couple of years, uh, and uh, it's called Meat Fest. It's happening right now. Uh, you have the opportunity to get flown out. We will fly you out to Arizona from anywhere in the United States of America. Uh, put you up in a nice hotel. We're going to bring you to a tour of the studio. You're going to meet everybody here. You're going to be on an episode of Apology Radio with us, and then we're going to take you to Folga de Chao, which is a Brazilian steakhouse restaurant in Scottsdale. It is delicious and amazing. 
They have meat on swords. They come over and they just slice it off. Swords. It's an amazing thing. So we are in the midst of that right now. Here's what's happening. We're asking everyone to partner with us as we plan a church on the island of Kauai, an island that's filled with the cults and the occult and desperate need of a solid gospel preaching church there. So we're there now. You can participate with us by giving at apologiakawaii.com slash meatfest2019. Apologia, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, Kauai, K-A-U-A-I, dot com, slash MeetFest 2019. And when you give there towards the mission of Apologia Church, for every $25 that you give, we want to find a way to bless everybody who's a part of this mission with us. So we're going to basically, for every $25 that you give towards this mission, uh, it's going to go into a pile. We're going to bring, we're going to pick two people to gift this amazing gift to for Meat Fest. So there'll be two of y'all coming out to see two. us. I mean, two of y'all. Did you mention it got extended a week? Oh, that's right. We extended okay. it one week. Yeah. And that goes related directly yeah, to yeah. what we're talking mm-hmm. about because for the first week, we couldn't get the word out about Meat Fest because Facebook yeah, kept killing reason, it. Yeah. Nobody would see it but Luke and I. We we're like, why are you and I the only yeah, people to see this it was post? Really strange. It was really, really weird. So we had a week long delay. So we've extended the Meat Fest thing for another week, which means it ends when, Luke? Uh, March 11th. March 11th. So, apologiakawaii.com slash meatfest2019. Give there towards the work of Apologia Kauai, our mission in Kauai. And when you do, we want to find a way to bless two of you guys and just gift stuff to you. So, uh, the last time, uh, last times we've done it, we had somebody flown in from Canada and then someone also from Washington. It was a blast. We love to do it. Sorry, I'm laughing because apparently our camera operator... Fell asleep for a few minutes because it was just a close up of joy for like two minutes, just going. Nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Good. What are you guys doing? So, I don't what know what's going on there in the there. tech room. What are you guys doing? Are you drinking your? Uh, you were drinking your your bobas, oh yes. weren't you? They're eating sorry, lunch. So, they sorry, went into it. They went into a sugar coma because they were. Joy, eating. it's joy react segment. It's yes. just it's not me. It's yes. Just me reacting to the things you hey, say. Hey, Carmen, Carmen, I want you to come on the air now as we close out the show. What happened, Carmen? I actually it was Isaac's fault, I think. Oh yeah, he's switching today. Oh, he's, that's are right. Are you guys even listening right now? They're they're probably not listening. They're asleep still. So. All right. Well. Is it still on me? Are they alive back no, there? No, they, okay. they switched it finally. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's okay. It was, yeah, it was Isaac. <laughs> we love Isaac. He's learning. Bro? He's training yeah. on the switching today. Yeah. Isaac uh, Benegas, we love him. He is uh, he is back at Apologia Church. Some of you guys may remember Isaac. Um, and uh, he is working with our youth. And he's working in Apologia Studios and End Abortion Now stuff. And uh, he's getting trained up. And he's an amazing man of God. It's a gift. So, um, Luke the Bear. This was great. Really great. How's that boba? It's really great as well. Very good. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy yeah. we decided to have it right now. Right. Because I, I saw on my app, it was like, it already arrived 10 minutes ago. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We're not waiting another half an that hour to get that. That was my fault. I told them to wait. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, it's, I, I messaged. I was like, bring the boba. I don't want a melted smoothie. Bring no, the boba. It's the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is what we do on Apologia Radio. <laughs> oh, somebody's gonna meme that. It's all yeah. it's all guns and mobile. He's <laughs> memeing that. All right. We love you guys. God bless you guys. We'll catch you next time right here at Apologia Radio. Get us at apologiastudios.com. One more invitation for you guys to partner with us as a ministry. When you sign up for all access at apologiastudios.com, you make everything we do possible. Every single thing you th- you see from Apologia Studios, small videos, sermons. Uh, evangelism on the streets with Mormons. Everything is made possible through our all-access partners. And you sign up at ApologiaStudios.com. And guess what? When you do, you get every TV show, after show, Apology Academy. Dr. White just did an Apology Academy. You're welcome. And he's going to be doing more. And he's going to be doing a new one on church history. Mm -hmm. Apologia Academy, church history with Dr. White. What? Another thing I want to say. It's so amazing because, like, you know, Dr. White's my friend. He's like a spiritual father in the faith, a mentor. Like, he's been my hero my whole Christian life. The first Christian book I ever read was Dr. White. Someone mm-hmm. handed it to me in a bookstore. I knew nothing. And someone's like, read this book. And it's James White. How'd that happen? Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking last night, it was my birthday, and Kenny's like, hey, Dr. White messaged me. He said, check your email. And I was like, I never thought the day would happen where Dr. White's messaging my wife, like, you know, and like, yeah. hey, tell your husband to check his email. He messaged me to ask for your email. Yeah. So, so then I go check my weird. email, and my email 
I got a birthday present from Dr. White. And it's so funny, because I'm like, well, what is it? It's like a gift card. So I click on it, and I go, and it sends me to this fancy men's clothing store website. And I realize under the thing, it says, no hoodies. He said, no, don't buy any hoodies. No hoodies. So Dr. White got me So in other words, he does not approve of your To a fancy, I mean, he's, uh, of your he's cool with it, but he's like, how about, he, see, he's so loving. He, does, he says, how about this? Give, he's giving you an opportunity to treat yourself. Hey, look at this wonderful You're, clothing treat store. Treat yourself to anything except for a hoodie. Except for hoodies. <laughs> and weird colorful pants. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. One time I showed up. See, this is a long history here. One time I showed up to the Mormon uh, temple to do evangelism. I showed up with these plaid, really tight, like bell-bottomy kind of pants. They weren't, they were not, they were not, um... What 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 do you call them? Skinny jeans. Skinny jeans. They were actually like sort of like seventies ish. Skinny sort of like bell bottomy thing. I remember I showed up, my backpack, my Bible, my tracks. I'm like walking up. Let me go witness to some Mormons. And Doctor White's there. And he just looks over at me. He looks down at my pants, and looks up at me, and keeps looking down at my pants. And no comment, just <laughs> looking down. I remember that he at one point he finally turned around, and I was like. And I drove all the way back home, changed my pants, came back. And then when I came back, he looked out of my pants again. He just sort of went. And that was a moment he decided, he was like, one day I am going to give Jeff for his yeah. birthday a gift card to get some pants that are yes. not flat. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time coming. All right, guys. I'm Jeff the Ninja. That's Luke the Bear. That's Joy the Girl. We'll catch you guys next time.